I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to the 382nd edition of the Gunna Geek Show Musical Theater. I am Steven, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. I'm here physically. We'll see if I'm here mentally. We've also got on drums tonight, SP. I'm here to announce that I will be in the 2021 Olympics 100-yard dash under the country gonna geek from Mars. Perfect. Perfect. I'll be in the 100-yard watching you event. Oh, yeah. In the stands? Yeah. No, just I'm just going to sit really far away from my TV. Oh. Well, I heard Suncast was going to compete in the shot put, but he was going to do it on Mars. Oh, is he? Okay. So we're going to have... Because he can't travel. So they're going to allow him to remote in due to coronavirus and travel restrictions. So he'll be, he'll be competing for Mars. And have our... they factored in the different wind resistance yeah, and the gravity? Going there. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have not thought this through. So I'm expecting Suncast to bring back the gold. Well, if you would like to see Space Olympics happen, well, don't come here. We can't do that. But you, you could pretend and you could uh, chat with us when we record live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.com. Dot live because we do have a live chat room as we record. And let's be honest, that's the main reason we keep doing the show is for, for the people in the chat room. I do it for the money. Well, let's do it because I signed a bad contract. I'm glad you guys do it for those things because I definitely don't do it for the interest. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the news. All right, let's kick it all off with just a weird news thing that I, I had to mention because it, it really, really struck me as odd when I read it. And here's what it is, is there was a bug that was announced coming out of the world of iOS 14. And if you're saying to yourself, okay, so it's an iPhone bug. We know the bar is usually set pretty low. It's like one little oh, thing, no. one little thing happens. <laughs> Chris is shaking his head. <laughs> Here comes the fanboy wars. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, okay, if things end up breaking, it's a, it's a little weird glitch where, you know, if you double tap your, your home button three times and then you hit your power button, then, you know, something looks a little weird. But guess what? This is, this is a really bad bug if it happens. But maybe not. Okay, here's the deal is it can break your iPhone's Wi-Fi Entirely. Yes, there is a newly discovered iPhone bug that can break your Wi-Fi permanently, disabling it, basically, is what it comes down to. And rebooting your device will not fix this problem. This was first reported by Bleeping Computer. And the long story short is 
If you log into a certain named Wi-Fi hotspot running iOS 14.4.2, it will break your Wi-Fi. Like I said, you will not be able to, to get it back by restarting it. Now, there is, there is a fix for it, though, however. You can go in and you can do a couple different things in order to fix it. And if you're having this problem, you should go ahead and Google how to do it because it's a couple different steps involved, basically resetting your network settings. But I, I just don't want to go there too far because I don't want someone to go and reset their actual whole settings if they do it. But yeah, you reset your network settings and then you're good to go. That's how you fix it. But if you've actually had this happen, then you probably should turn off your automatic join network because the odds are you're not manually logging onto the network that needs to be named as such in order to break your Wi-Fi. The hotspot name is percentage P percentage S percentage S percentage S percentage S percentage N. That's what the Wi-Fi network needs name needs to be in order to execute this bug. So on one hand, you've got a pretty big problem that, you know, obviously could possibly be manipulated if people are, are using um, the auto connect to different open networks. On the other hand, that's probably the only way this is going to happen is somebody trying to bait you because it's very unlikely that you would have this. And what this stems from is a lot of times in programming, certain variables is essentially what it comes down to. You, you can reference um, certain... Basically, you can use percentage letter in order to use code. And the way, I guess, iOS or the Wi-Fi portion of iOS, whatever it is, is based on, this is probably something that go that ties into that and that it just messes up the code because of those specific naming structure on there. So it's really not a big deal, but I wanted to bring it up just because, uh, number one, I knew Chris would, would think that I was going to hate on Apple. And number two, this is actually the real reason. It's a good example on why you should not have automatically connect to open networks on your phone. I am a huge, huge uh, supporter of disabling this if you have it on your phone. I think it's a mistake. I think there's security problems that you could have. I think you could be associated with networks that you don't want to be associated with. And I think that this is something that people need to be aware of. If I went right now and I started up a network that said this percentage P percentage S blah, 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 and I left it open, anybody who's got an iPhone nearby running the iOS that has it set to automatically connect, I'd break their phone. So I think this is something that you should uh, just be aware of stuff like that. Sure, it's a weird thing, but you could bet there are people out there now that have done that right now. They've gone and they've opened up networks like this. So that's why I wanted to bring it up, not to hate on Apple, because again, yes, it's a little bit more of a problem than we've seen with bugs, but it's also not in the sense that it's a very unique thing. But Steven, if I have an Android phone, can I connect to this weird network? I don't know. I'm not going to find out or Google another news article. <laughs> <laughs> the news article I read said that Android phones had no issues with it. So setting you up to give your uh, Android a superior line that you like to give. Well, that's why I use an Android, because back in the day, my <laughs> Wi-Fi network was percentage P, percentage S, percentage S, percentage S, percentage S, percentage N. That's what it was. <laughs> so this is entertaining, but it's an overblown issue. I mean, let's be honest. How many people actually run around and have enabled that setting on their phone? Because I think it's disabled 
by default on iOS devices. You have to explicitly change your settings to jump on to open networks. So I don't think we're talking a large percentage user base here. It's going to be doing that. It's entertaining from a technology enthusiast to see, oh, okay, here's this Wi-Fi network that can break Wi-Fi settings. That's kind of funny, but I, I don't think it really amounts to much other than us getting some weird lulls and the tech blogs getting some weird lulls as well. And Apple going, oh, crap, I guess I know what we're fixing in the next uh, incremental update. <laughs> well, I like I'll be honest. I think that our listener base on this show probably would be less likely and in that camp that you said to enable this, where they probably wouldn't wouldn't go in and enable that. I think that's just sort of the target demographic of our of our uh, audience. However, I think you might find among the more average Joe, average Jane, that they might do this because they're trying to enable or trying to decrease their data consumption. Because I've known people at, at work who, who have been like, oh, it's really slow. I don't know why I can't use the internet. Can you help me? Oh, yeah, that's because you're trying to connect to the coffee shop way across the parking lot. Yeah. So it's interesting because there's a Pixel feature that rolled out a while back that's like trusted Google networks that if you're running like their version of the Wi-Fi connectivity services and things like that, there's basically a list of public networks that Google says is trusted and it will automatically connect your phone to those and then establish a VPN through Google to connect that, which I think is a really neat way to kind of get the best of both worlds here where you could trust open networks because with the VPN in place, you're effectively safe and be able to cut down on bandwidth. I thought Apple was doing something similar. Wasn't that something we had out of the WWDC stuff where they were talking about their open Wi-Fi with whatever terminology they were using for VPN that I can't remember? I, I think we assumed they were going to go that way. I think that they were just going to do the VPN for now, the tunnel, but I don't think that they announced the open, like the, the safe Wi-Fi's like Google. Okay. I, I think we were speculating that. Um. But no, I agree with you. I do I do think this is overblown, but I just thought it was a good opportunity to mention an interesting thing and also make people check that setting. SP, you're really quiet right now. I couldn't help but notice that you pulled out every single iPhone in the phone and started to toggle settings on there as I was talking about this. What's up? Yeah, my iPhone Wi-Fi hasn't worked for a while. I might or might not have connected to a Wi-Fi that was like that. But I found it was okay because since I got my second COVID shot, I just brought the phone near me and it connected to 5G a lot easier. And we're banned in a whole bunch of places. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, I, I applaud the people, the code geeks, for figuring this out. And, you know, in a, in a uh, fair world, I think it would have been better for them to be like a white hat hacker and call Apple and say, look, you need to fix this in the next iOS update. And then Apple fix it in the iOS. And then they release the fact that it was a vulnerability to encourage everybody to upgrade their iOS. I think that would have been a better way to go about this. But hey, you know, whatever. Some people like to get all the attention and they like to poke it to Apple, you know, like some Canadians we know. The yeah, other thing I just want to point dirty out. Dirty Canadians. Yeah, dirty Canadians. You, you have to apologize now. Oh, so, sorry about that, eh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm just reminding you of protocol here. So the other thing is I have to applaud people that come up with creative names for their Wi-Fi. 
<laughs> you know, if you've ever gone through a neighborhood and searched for the Wi-Fi and seen the just the creative Wi-Fi names out there, it, it's pretty cool, especially when neighbors start harassing other neighbors with their Wi-Fi uh, thing. It's it's pretty cool. So uh, it's just a, a fun thing. But this was not fun. This could have brought a lot of iPhones down. And the people that it would have done this to are probably the people that don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And it'd be like my parents and who is the tech support for my parents? Me. So all of a sudden I'm having to get on a phone call from hundreds of miles away trying to fix it. It's not cool. So yeah, don't just don't do it. Luckily, this one is an easy fix. I mean, it's like three clicks basically to do that fix in iOS, if I recall correctly. Probably a couple more, but uh, I don't know what he's doing. I, yeah. uh, for the audio listener, I'm holding up a, a Wi-Fi router because I actually just remembered that I was clearing out my bin of cables yes, the other day and I came across this Wi-Fi router that I have in there, which is, uh, I believe, a hundred megabit per second connection. So you can't go over that, right? Because I had it here from a long time ago for something I was trying to manually throttle down to hundred. Um, I, I think it's a good, I was going to go recycle it. I think I know what I'm going to do with it instead. <laughs> so I have Better. to say... Go ahead. Better make sure that your wife's phone, which is an iOS device, the last time I heard. It's not. She made the not. switch over for the, to the virtual. She All made right. The well, over. then go ahead and, <laughs> and have fun with any of your other iOS devices that you may or may not have around the house. So, SP, you were talking about creative Wi-Fi names, and I decided I would pull up my uh, Wi-Fi scanner on my phone just to see some of the houses around me. Because those who may not have listened to the show before, I live in a townhouse community. So there is a boatload of houses around me. And everyone has their own Wi-Fi. And I have to say, I'm kind of disappointed with my neighbor, my neighbors. I have 201 street name, 205 street name. Let's see. Uh, Bioshock. That one's kind of fun because it's a video game reference. Josh and Meg. Okay, that's great. A random string of letters and numbers. Uh, Harvey Net. And then this might be my favorite, the Pi emoji, the Pi emoji Wi-Fi just, network. Just the Pi emoji. It is literally just a Pi emoji. It should show up on the bottom of my phone. It's not going <laughs> to zoom very well, but yeah, it is a Pi emoji. <laughs> I didn't know you could use emojis in the Wi-Fi name. Uh, I, I didn't know I didn't either. And so mine is now going to be eggplants, <laughs> just all eggplants. But also, if you want to know approximately like almost Chris's exact location, you just got to look around. And if you happen to see all those Wi-Fi names that he just listed, you know, there's a way to track him down. Sadly, I didn't get you all of them. I could have pulled up Wi-Fi Analyzer instead of the uh, Wi-Fi connection app and probably given you some more fun stuff. I mean, I could do it right now, but I'm kind of lazy. I mean, I got one that's giggity. That's pretty cool, right? Giggity. Nice. And and one's uh, Lao Town, and that, that's the name of one of my neighbors. So I think with those two things, you can triangulate me to within five feet. It's weird. The one that I have here says no Stevens. That's odd. Very odd. That is very strange. I sent you guys a screenshot of some of the more creative Wi-Fi names that I've seen. Unfortunately, we cannot say any of them no. on the show. No. <laughs> oh, someone has evidently not configured their wireless printer because I have direct DFHP DeskJet 3700 <laughs> series that is still start, hanging out. That according start, to this has been active for months. Start printing out money. Like, <laughs> like just... <laughs> Make a sheet of money and start printing it out. Just have it print on loop. Cl turn off your Wi-Fi. 
turn <laughs> off your Wi-Fi. You know, I, or, or you're fired. You're fired. I, like, I have a coworker who, you know, because we're all working at home. I have a coworker who one day said, um, "Hey, do you have any security recommendations for me on this? Because I think someone hacked my computer and they started printing some adult images on my on my printer." I'm like. Check your printer Wi-Fi. Pretty sure that that's open right there. But I occasionally get, um, oh, it's not here right now, but I occasionally, when I open the SmartThings app, get a notification about somebody's mm-hmm. Samsung TV nearby mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, yep, me too. I'm like, oh, it's not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about adding it, but then thought, no, I don't, I don't want to piss off any of my neighbors <laughs> any more than I already do. And if you are someone like myself and like Suncast in the chat room is like, I'm not changing my Wi-Fi network name because I don't want to have to reassign everything. Well, a lot of networks now have guest networks. So you can always spin up a guest network with something uh, ridiculous as that guest network's name and then just turn it off when you're done. And yes, you can password and secure those guest networks too. It would just show up. I've got so many old routers that I still, I mean, they're half functional, right? But they would still broadcast the name. It'd be so funny to to set them all off and just spam the area with names. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go we ahead. Have some fun. Let's yeah. go and move on to the next news point here, which is an update about Cyberpunk 2077. I'm pretty sure, by the way, that when we stop hearing about Cyberpunk 2077 news, it will be the year 2077. I don't know, man. It's tapered off a lot, but this is actually some interesting news I wanted to bring up. Back in December, I think, is when I brought up the news that CD Projekt Red's uh, launch for Cyberpunk 2077 was kind of troubled. Let's put it this way. There were issues with the games running poorly on baseline PS4s and Xbox Ones. Issues that made the game almost unplayable in some people's cases. And we can argue back and forth. I think we would all agree that CD Projekt Red probably should not have released a game in that state, but they did make an effort into saying they were planning on patching all of these uh, systems so they'd be able to properly play the game. And fingers crossed, they've sort of gotten closer to that. Uh, This led back in December to what was considered unthinkable at the time. We had digital storefronts like the Microsoft Online Store, the PlayStation Network, and I think even um, whichever PC platform they're on, I can't remember if it was Steam or if it was Epic Game Store or whatnot, they were all offering refunds well after the initial like 24-hour period would be up when you could get refunds because of how poor the games played, even on cutting-edge PC hardware, it was struggling and having issues. What was uh, arguably the most interesting thing that happened at this time, and something I don't recall having seen before, is one week after the launch of Cyberpunk 2077, Sony delisted the game on the PlayStation Network. What did that mean? That meant if you logged into your PlayStation store and said, hey, I want to buy Cyberpunk, a digital copy of it, it was not available for you to purchase, presumably because they were handling so many refund requests from customers who played the game and were upset with either not living up to the expectations or just playing like trash on baseline systems. Cyberpunk, uh, excuse me, CD Projekt Red did say they intended to bring Cyberpunk 2077 back to the PlayStation store once they had patched the game made it more stable and also kind of updated the visuals so it didn't look terrible on baseline PlayStation 4s. Well, good news. If you've been waiting for it to come back, Cyberpunk 2077 has returned to Sony's PlayStation Store today after six months since its removal. The game returned with a big warning for PS4 owners, though. CD Projekt Red tweeted out, users may continue to experience some performance issues 
with the PS4 edition while we continue to improve stability across all platforms. The PS4 Pro and PS5 versions of the game will provide the best experience on the PlayStation. In fact, if you go and pull up the listing on the PlayStation Store for it, there is also a warning written on there to kind of dissuade PS4 users from purchasing it, saying purchase for use on PS4 systems is not recommended. For the best cyberpunk experience on PlayStation, play on the PS4 Pro and PS5 systems. So it's back, but if you don't have the last gen plus five iter- plus point five iterations of consoles, you probably don't want to play it because it's probably not going to run as well as you want. But hey, if you upgrade to a PS4 at some point in time or you are one of the lucky few to get a PS5 so far, you're good to go to play this game that was supposed to be released years ago on last gen hardware and doesn't quite run very well on last gen hardware and still has its issues on next gen hardware. And I will say I did purchase the game back in December. I got a digital copy. I played it on my Xbox Series X, which is a next gen device. I had less problems than other people reported, but still had weird system crashes and weird pop in and graphical effects from time to time. I want to say it was probably about March, April after one of the patches came out. I fired up Cyberpunk for about two or three hours again just to see if the experience was any different or what they might have improved. And it played mostly the same. I think I noticed a little bit of better load times and stuff like that, but there was nothing that really jumped out at me. And I will honestly say I probably won't fire up the game again for a while because there is still a free next gen upgrade supposedly coming. Well, not supposedly confirmed to be coming from CD Projekt Red for the Xbox Series line of consoles and the PS5 line of consoles. So if you have a next-gen console, you're probably going to be good to go on this. If you have one of the pro versions of consoles from last-gen, you're probably okay. But despite all of the fixes they've put in for baseline Xboxes and PlayStation consoles, it still sounds like it's a real crapshoot whether you want to try this, try and play this game. And for it to be six months out from release and still have arguably the widest player base of consoles have a game that's really not playable for them, probably not a good sign. Uh, I mean, they'll get it fixed eventually, but the real question is, is it too little too late? I uh, I thought that you said that Cyberpunk 2077 was the greatest game in all of history. So it should have been... Okay, so how do we get into this? It's got a real troubled development history. There's been a lot of people that deep-dived on it, and what we found out is a lot of the trailers that showed off some of the cool stuff you'd be able to do in the game, like wall running, sticking blades into the wall to hang on a wall to then drop down on people and attack them that they showed in trailers D3, those were just videos that they made. It wasn't done with the in-game graphics, in-game engines, and anything like that. So part of the problem we had with this game, same as we'd seen with some of the other things that were rushed out, is they over-promised and under-delivered because they were a little too... Uh, they got a little too big for their britches on what they thought they could deliver because they're like, hey, we're CD Projekt Red. We did The Witcher 3, which everyone loves. Granted, it took about a year worth of patching for everyone to love it. We can make anything happen. The same thing that happened with, you know, all of the modern Bioware games, things like that. It's a byproduct of crunch and ridiculous deadlines and stuff like that that's going on in the game industry. I don't think it's really going to change anytime soon, but I don't know. I'm real conflicted because I really wanted to love this game. I played it through. I sunk probably 50, 60 hours into my first playthrough on this game, but for a game like that, you generally want to go back and replay or you're looking forward to all the DLC that comes out. I haven't gotten any DLC yet, which there's a bunch of free DLC promised because they're too busy trying to fix the game at this point. 
first off, I didn't really put that together. Uh, secondly, what? A game that was a disaster at launch? It hasn't had time to develop DLC? I mean, well, if you go back to the original development roadmap, it was they were going to start on the DLC after launch. And we're going to get more and more into the dirt of what happened with Cyberpunk 2077 is that while it was supposed to run on previous gen consoles, they really built it in mind with like the Xbox Series, the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro were their target consoles. They didn't really do much testing when it came to the last gen baseline consoles. When they sent review copies out, they only sent PC codes out to reviewers ahead of time. They weren't allowed to capture any in-game footage or in-game screenshots to post in their reviews off of what was captured on those demo keys, which is far from the norm when it comes to folks that are reviewing games. So like IGN put out a review on day one that was just looping video footage of stuff that had been shown at E3 and said, give us time later today. We're going to put this out with footage that we capture from the commercially released version of the game. So there was some shenanigans going on behind the scenes and they're arguably paying the price for it. And the fact that CD Projekt Red also got hacked shortly after the release of this game and a bunch of their source code captured and their network compromise slowed things down. They've not been having a very good go of it as of late. Well, all I know, and and SP, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on this here, but I'm pretty sure that this is just good news for SP and I because we know that you have played Cyberpunk 2077 on your Xbox Series X, but we know that you're just a big PlayStation fanboy, and so you must just be so happy that you can now play this on your PS4 that you really got no reason to keep that Series X around anymore, so you can go ahead and send it to SP. That's it, exactly. I mean, going back to the fact it's back on the store, I think the fact it took six months is the story here that's important before both Cyberpunk or CD Projekt Red rather and Sony could come to an agreement like, hey, we need this relisted. It took six months of updates, which gives you an idea of how broken it was for baseline previous generation consoles. SP, are you going to get that Series X of his? Is he going to send it to you for free? So one of the big actual stories of last week was the Game Pass for Microsoft. And Chris, how's that going? What do you mean? The it's, new it's, Game Pass. The all the things that are coming out for $14.99 a month. That that's the big deal. That's the big thing in gaming in 2021, right? Well, I mean, that's arguably one of the big stories is the 27 out of 30 games that Microsoft had at E3 that are going to release on Game Pass. But I'm also slightly biased as my default gaming console is an Xbox. You you yeah. sorry, you said Xbox. You meant to say PlayStation 4. No, I, I was correct when saying it's an Xbox. I've been an Xbox gamer since the original Xbox days. I thought you liked the controller better on the Sony PlayStation. Don't don't go down this path again. I don't need to catch flack from people on the internet for this again. How Do you know how much crap I caught? Because I was like, I like how the Xbox controller feels in my hands better than I do the PlayStation controller. And how much crap came my way? I'm like, really? Because of my opinion on a controller. This is what's going to fire people up. And I went... Damn it, I hate console. I hate video game fans anymore. <laughs> well, there, I'll, I'll, if take, you, I'll take If you hate your consoles, we'll gladly take them. I love my consoles. <laughs> I just hate the fandom many times. Well, I'll go ahead and just uh, put it out there. The Sony PlayStation controller is the worst controller design ever. The Xbox controller is the worst controller design ever. Now go ahead, 
take those out of context, ship them wherever you want, wait, send wait. your hate mail to me. What's the best controller design, Steven? Oh, the best controller design ever is the Atari. No, you're wrong. It's the N64. Oh, the N64. <laughs> Sorry. The best controller design ever <laughs> is the N64. There we the go. N64 controller is so weird. So man. terrible. It's so weird. So terrible. Uh, well, thanks for updating us on that there, Chris Farrell. That is, I, I agree. I think the fact that it took this long is is the big highlight there. All right, SP, what do we got coming out of the world of space? Well, CNN decided to post a report last Wednesday, and it was it was pretty interesting. CNN does have a, a history of light reporting in the space area. So they decided to take an indirect tact against the space industry and do a story on something not related, but related to SpaceX's Starship. And they titled a report, SpaceX likely to miss the July date for Mars rocket test. All right, what's going on here? Well, we'll talk about it and then we'll see where we are. Anyway, according to the CNN report on Wednesday, June 16, 2021 by Jackie Waddles, SpaceX may have stated an ambitious plan to launch their first stacked Starship into orbit by July 2021, but they aren't likely to hit that target, which is generally bad in rocketry, right? You want to hit the target, right? Uh, no, I, I think you don't want things hitting anything. Yeah, you, you still want to unless, hit the mark. Unless it's Steven's house, then I want it to hit oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah, of course. Okay, fair. I stand corrected. Okay. Sorry, I well, stick corrected. Well, Okay, so while both the rocket assembly with the BN-2 main booster section of Starship and the SN-20 spaceship-based Starship, uh, they're being rapidly constructed along with the launch tower to launch them in Boca Chica, Texas, an updated environmental impact statement for the different launch system of the full Starship rocket is underway, and according to CNN... It is unlikely the Federal Aviation Administration will be able to approve the launch before July. Now, while all this might be true, and it very well might be true, CNN has not necessarily been the hub of groundbreaking reporting when it comes to space launch vehicles or development. And so it could be true, or the FAA might actually approve the launch in time. So guys, all I'm saying is, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. So you're there's saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, when I when I read that you put this in the news, there, I, I was a little surprised with CNN um, reporting this because, you know, um, I think that there's, I think their history um, of sources is is not in this field, and the only thing that I started to question a little bit on this is the whole. Um, FAA connection because I think a lot of the I think if if there was a source for you know FAA approval it would come from a more politically based news source of some form because rather than just like you know tracking space development because they could potentially have the source closer to the government but it still was weird to me to read this because yeah, it's it's not their forte, as you say. So I I guess we'll see. We'll we'll keep our fingers crossed that there's a chance. I I know that you really wanted to see this happen, SP. I know that you put lots of bets down on this. 
And I oh, know yeah. that you have to find a new house if this doesn't happen. So I might find a new house anyway. If it <laughs> happens or not happens, I may be moving there. We'll see. <laughs> uh, also, last week, before we move on from this, uh, you had another space news point that you were going to mention, but you never got around to mentioning that um, came, to, came to light this week. There was another update, wasn't there, in the world of space that was a follow-up from one of your news stories? So last week, Blue Origin actually conducted their auction that we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the, one of the six seats on the first New Shepard ships, the flights that they were going to make. And guys, um, do you know how much that seat went for? A uh, hundred bucks. Well, first of all, I should ask, did you guys watch the replay? Because I know you didn't see it live. Did you watch the replay of the auction? No, I didn't. Now, secondary question. If we guess the price, do prices right rules apply? Sure, we'll Close go with that. It going over. It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. I know the answer. Steven, you get to go first. $800 million. $1. Well done, Chris. Well done. <laughs> Price is right rules, right? <laughs> So it ended up, remember we were talking about it, it was like 2.8 million on the online bidding, then it went up to 3.5 million. I think right before the auction, it was, I think it was 5.3 million, or it was or 4.8 million or something, it's something around 5.0 million. So the auction started and then it was going up by $100,000 increments, which I thought, you know, if, if you're bidding and you have the available cash, you know, okay. But then all of a sudden it started to go like million and then it like jumped 2 million. I'm like, what are you guys doing? This is wow. And so there's some notoriety with this. Like I'm the first one to go into space on, on new origin or yeah, on new shepherd. I'm the first one to go. I, I'm, I get to fly with Jeff Bezos and his brother, that sort of thing. Well, I could see that as bragging rights. And if you have a billion dollars, sure, go ahead. But your available bidding goes down the, the people that want to do this start to go down and can afford this go down it got up to 28 million dollars and i was thinking once it got above 25 million dollars i was thinking gee it wasn't the, like the very first space tourist about like 15 or 20 million dollars and then this was launched by russia and went to the i think their mirror space station back in the day and then they launched I think some space tourists up to the International Space Station a few years ago. But right now, the going right to go to the International Space Station is $55 million. And guys, I, I, I know you have been forced to make some decisions, like between a used car and a new car. And like you're thinking, okay, I, I'm going to spend like $15 million, or not $15 million, but like $15,000 on a car. And you go to the dealership, you can't find anything under like $25,000. So you think, well, okay, well, I'll go $25,000. But at that price, you're like, maybe I'll just get a new car at that price. So you start looking at new cars. The new cars are like $35,000, $40,000. So it's like, well, is it worth it? And you do all sorts of trade-offs over how many years you're going to have the car versus the price of the car, operating cost, and how many repairs are you going to have to do? You're going to have to put new tires on. So you, you start doing all those costs. And and like you have an existing car and you're thinking, I want a Tesla. So you do all sorts of trade-offs with that. So I'm pretty sure that some people were thinking, huh, $28 million, you know, for just a little bit more, 
I could go to the International Space Station for like a week versus 15 minutes in space. So anyway, I, I once you start getting up to the $30 million mark, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if this is worth it. I think there's better use. I mean, if you want to do the same thing, you could do the same thing, but better for, for something else. So the bidding stopped at $28 million. And I think that's why the bidding stopped at $28 million is because well, for just a little bit more, you can get a whole lot more. So anyway, $28 million to go to a STEM charity and for whoever won who hasn't been announced yet, I haven't heard the announcement. They said they were going to have to get with the winner and do all sorts of paperwork. And then they would announce who it was going to be a couple of weeks before the launch. And the person will probably have to take a physical and do all that sort of stuff. So we don't know who won yet, but somebody paid $28 million for this seat. It was me. I won. Congrats, man. Thanks. I look forward to throwing something out the window onto Steven's house. Needs to happen. <laughs> I misunderstood your question, by the way. I didn't know you wanted the actual authentic bid. I thought we were doing the whole eBay thing where we're going with what the actual true top bid was, but the, the top bid before you realized that a bunch of them were fake bids. So, uh, you know, that's what I assumed, right? This was done by some auction house that has done some really top level stuff before and everybody. So what, what happened was the auctioneers had employees on the phone with the, the people that were actually bidding. So you never actually saw the people bidding. You just saw the employees that would raise their hand and say, yes, I'm going to go do it. And the auctioneer was having fun with it, but he did slow down and allow these people to talk back and forth on the phone to their bidder. To see if they wanted to go up and what they wanted to bid and stuff like that. So it was a little slower auction than normally is in person, but it was still pretty fast and it was fun. They made it fun. And of course, Blue Origin made it into a commercial as well. So if you want to see all that, it's all available still on YouTube. You can see the replay of the auction. Awesome. Uh, one last thing that uh, I want to quickly bring up here before we shut down the show is today is uh, the day one of day two of. The American Amazon Prime Days. Uh, it's not happening in Canada, as we mentioned at the end of last week's show. It's not happening right now. But by the accounts of you guys and a few people in our chat, sounds like it's been underwhelming, com even compared to normal underwhelming standards. Is that right? Yeah, it's been pretty tame. I was looking for a solid state USB hard drive and... There have been a couple, but none that was enough of a price discount compared to the brand name to make me like, oh, I have to get this. Literally, the only thing that I've put in my cart is a uh, variety box of popcorners, which is puffed popcorn chips, because I really like them. And the price was a little bit less than normal, and I was going to buy them anyways. So I have popcorners in my cart to get. So I will have spent a whopping $9.99 at Amazon Prime Day so far. Sweet. That that sounds like a raving review there. I mean, they're good chips. I like them a lot. Uh, SP, what about yourself? So I did put something in my cart today. I actually purchased it. I couldn't remember if I purchased it or not. I know I put it in my cart. It was a Amazon Echo fourth generation ah. to replace a second generation Echo Dot that is, the Wi-Fi on it is starting to misbehave. So I did that and I was actually looking for one of few weeks ago, probably a few months ago, 
and the prices were just way too high versus I'm used to like the $10, $20 deals, <laughs> you know, for, for these things. And I didn't see it. It was like 60 or 70 bucks or something like that. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I did get the one with the clock in it. I ordered that. The other thing that I was looking for is I recently discovered that I need a new large capacity hard drive. Then this is not a solid state drive. This is an, uh, like terabytes full of information, like eight, 10, 12 terabytes full of information. I want a new one now. And I knew I've needed a new one for a while. And last year I was like, well, we'll just, we'll just wait a year and, and, uh, we'll just see how everything shakes out. Well, unfortunately for me, I should have pulled the trigger because, oh my gosh, everybody's been talking about like graphic cards and the just impossible task to find a graphic card. Well, you can find these high storage level hard disk drives, but they are outrageously expensive. So it's something like 300 to $600 for one of these drives. And while they were never cheap, they were never this expensive. Right. You could get, you could get like an eight for like 200 bucks before and a 10 for 250. Now you, you can't get anything under 300 bucks, 350. I can get a eight terabyte Western digital black for 279. Oh, cool. Canadian. Can you get a 10 or a 12? No, no. Yeah, that's really what I need. I need a 10 or a 12. Yeah, you know, stack, stack them up, you know, keep adding drives. You can have the whole array in your, beside your computer. I just want one drive. Just one. Yeah, no. I just want one. I wish that they had come back down because they were, they were on a good course downwards in price until last year. The other thing that I was looking at was ring cameras and specifically the solar powered ring cameras because the location that I want to place a few cameras would need a solar power or a solar panel to power them. And there are a few available, but I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. And they are cheaper. Anything ring related is slightly discounted. And the other thing that I looked into was a remote vacuum. I know we talked about this over Christmas. I was looking into one and, um, I just, I, I don't think I can, even though the one I want is on sale, I just don't think I can actually go ahead and buy it because I got to put that money towards something else, like maybe a disk drive for 500 bucks or something like that. Any of the Amazon branded stuff is on sale during this for a decent price. Like they've got Euro Wi-Fi equipment on sale. They've got all of the ring stuff on sale to some extent. So if you've been kind of on the fence about something that Amazon owns, this is probably the best price you're going to see until Black Friday, if I had to Ooh, guess. That is good. So you should check that out and see whether you want to. Uh, on that note, one thing, if I hadn't bought them already, I would suggest is the Echo Buds Gen 2 are on mm -hmm. sale right now mm. for $79.99 or for the non-chargeable yeah. case or $99.99 for the Wi-Fi, excuse me, the wireless chargeable case. So and they're for both 100 bucks. They're a steal. Good. Yeah, I, I've recommended it to two different people based on your reviews, Chris. I've recommended it to two people that actually have iPhones but couldn't stand the Apple AirBud Pros or whatever, or they didn't work for them or whatever. And I told them to go with the um, Echo Buds 2, or what, what are they called? They're, Echo the second, Buds they're the only Echo Buds they sell now. They're the second-gen right. Echo Buds. And, they and are legit my number one favorite headphones right now. And they have loved them. They both people I've recommended to these. These are the best things ever. Okay, it's so, it's not Prime Day. I need myself a, a new pair of headphones soon because the ones I used to mow the lawn are 
They're they're dead. Um, so let me just go ahead here. Now, it's, even though it's not Prime Day, I'll just go to Amazon.ca and order them. Echo Buzz. I think we just twisted two, a knife in Steven's side two. right now. Oh wait, they're not they're not showing up on Amazon.ca. What? VPN. What? What? No, they don't. They actually. My my point is that they Amazon has not brought the Echo Buds or the Echo Buds two to Canada. Some kind of regulatory issue, probably, since they I, have the voice assistant built into them. It shouldn't be because the Google Buds are in Canada. Hmm. So I, I don't know. And the Samsung Buds are in Canada. So I, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. I'm not sure. Sounds like you need to tweet Jeff Bezos and ask, hey, Jeff, WTF, I want my Echo Buds in Canada. See what oh, he yeah. says. Yeah, that's right. And uh, send me on a spaceship. I'll just throw that in there, too. If you put me on a spaceship, I'll stop complaining about Echo Buds. That's what you're telling. <laughs> well, that's going to go ahead and take us to the end of this episode. Before we go, I just want to take a moment to go around the table and plug and promote and do whatever we'd like to do. Uh, let's start off with you, Farrell, comma, Chris. Oh, sure. So friendly reminder, if you're watching this live as we record this on Monday night, we do stream other shows live on GunnaGeek.com over at Geeks.Live also. So go scroll down to the bottom of the page right now. You'll see a calendar of all of our upcoming live events. You can come check out some other fun, geeky live content and tell them that we sent you. Aspie? I do a little show. You may have heard of it if you've listened to the Guinea Geek show for a while. I do a show on the Marvel Cinematic Universe and some of the TV shows. It's called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Have you checked out that one that um, Michelle Ely does? Uh, it's a really good show. Starling Tribune? No, it's uh, it's about Marvel. Uh, Marvel television oh. series show. show. Um, I think it's called uh, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. Have you uh, heard about no, that one? No I, haven't, no, I haven't listened to that. Okay, you should check it out sometime. But, but I produce a show called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. And I listen to that one. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> and right now, if you happen to have Disney Plus, and a lot of people do because it's a lot of great content for that, not that much a month. I'm not paid to promote it whatsoever. I just ha actually have liked the shows on, include, including the Mighty Ducks show. That was kind of fun there. But they have this little show on there called Loki, which has been fantastic. Yeah, two episodes out of six that are out there right now. We've reviewed them on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Those episodes are available on the feed, which you can find at goodygeek.com. And it is a great television show, and we're having fun podcasting about it. So you can find that at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. And I just want to take a moment and promote a wonderful podcast on the network called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's got Michelle Ely and uh, Lauren okay. on it as well. Uh, you should check it out. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, SP, no. but no, they, no, they're covering Loki right now. So wow, I should get with them because I'm covering Loki on Legends of Shield too. Wow. There's some good cost promotion to do here, I think. <laughs> uh, no, you should also though come chat with us live if you're not watching us or listening to us live. We'd love to have you in our chat room at Geeks Live. That's truly what I'd like to promote today. We do stream the show live on Mondays at 8:45 p.m. Eastern. That's 5.45 p.m. if you're in the old Pacific time zone. I would love to have you come over, join us here, so we can talk to you as we record the show, and you can heckle us, because that's mostly what the chat room does to us. Deserve sure. We deserve it. Well, you just get heckled every day. Though. That's very, very true. 
So for episode 382 of the official Gonna Geek Show, I'm Steven John Drew, or am I percentage P, percentage S, percentage S, percentage S, percentage S, percentage N? I'm SP, apparently the Apple lover on the show. And I'm Chris. I'm going to space to throw things at Steven's house. Once you open the window, we'll see if you come back. I'm going to be strapped in hella tight. You're not here yet. checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. <laughs>